I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We've had the TT World Champs for the Elite Riders on the weekend. The Juniors was today on the Tuesday. Uh, I think the U23s were yesterday. But this is the road race preview for the men and women elite this saturday is the women's race sunday is the men's race some late additions benoit kosner has been flown in for france <laughs> apparently they explained to him um you know it doesn't take two days just one or maybe because the french uh, federation flew the men in business class and the women in economy for uh, commercial reasons so we'll see if uh, the men fly back in in business class because there's no reason to fly them back in business if they've already won the world <laughs> champs, especially with the bonus they get. They probably afford, uh, you know, a 5K upgrade. I know flights are expensive. Anyway, we're here to do the road race preview. We have for the men's race 267K course and it's punctuated mostly by a couple of short punchy climbs uh mount pleasant but there is mount Kier at the start before kind of peculiar the way it's put in there in that i don't expect it to have too much any effect on the race at all so it's just there <laughs> and it's really <laughs> mount pleasant and this benji was the course that people said oh sprinters can get around it but when you dive into it it really is a puncher's course, probably more so than, say, Quebec. Like, Quebec is 6%, Montreal's harder. This is somewhere in between when you dive into the detail. Yes, certainly. It's a parkour that, on paper, when you see the profile, looks like it's flat with a climb, flat with a climb, flat with a climb, every single loop. But there's more to that than just the climb and flat around the climb. There's more difficulties that you don't see on the profile, and the climb itself is harder than what is being presented on the profile. Let me go in-depthly over this. So like you mentioned, Mount Kira at the start of the race, basically, I also don't see an effect on the race, but the effect on the race will happen in the attrition of those multiple Mount Pleasant loops afterwards. 12 of these loops, 17 kilometers for each loop. The first 7 kilometers of these 17, there's like not that much to work with if you want to attack or something. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty flat. It's not completely flat, but pretty flat. But there's lots of like roundabouts and sharp 90 degree corners. I think there's like 10 roundabouts or something and 10 sharp corners. So that's quite a bit in the span of seven kilometers. That's quite technical. But like you mentioned for the time trial as well, these roads are a bit wider in Australia than in the likes of a Belgian wasteland like where I live, like for example. Lurgan. i was more leaning towards west flanders but okay i'll take it i'll take it you can pull it away from my area so i feel better about it now after those seven kilometers that's where we get to the middle section of this loop that's the harder section where we got on paper one climb but in reality it's kind of three climbs we've got first of all mount ousley steady 600 meters at 7.2 percent just before mount pleasant and this is like, this is just a preparation, but nothing like what is coming afterwards on Mount Pleasant itself. But 
perhaps it's an area where people want to already make it hard for an attack coming up the next climb. That is a possibility I see. And then we see, for example, Mount Pleasant just after that Mount Dowsley slight descent, then Mount Pleasant. That's the harder one. It's said to be 900 meters at like 7 point whatever percent, but it's more towards 9% really. So it's harder than the original profile. And the first part is the hardest part. Up to 15% steep sections at the start of Mount Pleasant. The middle kind of is more gentle, 6 to 7%. And then towards the end, there's like a 200 meter area where it ramps up again above 10%. So the climb is like split in three parts. First part hardest, middle gentle, last part pretty hard as well. Again, a launching pad to try again is what I would say. I hope they start at the bottom of the climb, of course, for our entertainment level. But after that Mount Pleasant, it's intriguing because you'd say, oh, that downhill looks pretty straightforward on the profile. But there's like this small peak in the, in the descent. You've got a small descent uh, first from Mount Pleasant top straight towards the bottom of a small 100 meter 10 percent ramp <laughs> on brokers road and i'm not sure if that is going to notably significant because you know that when you come off a a pretty harsh descent you're likely going to end up with loads of speed and loads of momentum on that 100 meters 10 percent section where i'm not sure how much effect that is going to have i guess we'll uh, we'll see in the race itself and after that, Brokers Road uphill section is basically downhill towards um, the latter part of this race. And there, most of it is small ups and downs with like a bridge to launch from with like 4K to go or something. If you want a last minute attack, stuff like that. But from 4K to 1.7K is like the flattest part in this uh, in this loop for to 1.7K of the end of the loop, of course. And that's basically the notable parts of this loop. So if you go through this loop, you see that it's split in three parts. You've got the initial seven kilometers, the climbing section in the middle, and then some ups and downs with a flatter part in there as well in the latter portion as well. When you see this loop, like, does it remind you of previous world championships? You mentioned, like, for example, Montreal and Quebec and so forth. What races does this profile look like the most for you? And... Does that have indications to certain riders doing better than others? I would say it reminds me of Imola the most out of recent course or world championships. Imola had a little bit more climbing per kilometer, but it wasn't that technical either. I think, yeah, with the final climb made case from the finish, it just looks like an Alaphilippe launch pad uh, race once again. Yeah, France have a pretty strong team for it. Could Pedersen have got round this? I don't think so, really, the way it's raced. Like, I really don't think he... No, he did well in the Vuelta where there was like a 10K, 6% climb, 40Ks from the finish, and they could drop Bennett and the proper sprinters. This is completely different with the best punchers in the world here. Um, so I think it's another punchers race, which I th is a bit of a shame. I think some diversity wouldn't be a bad idea in um, the World Championships parkour. Like I'd rather they had some extremes, uh, sprint this year, uh, finishing on Mont Ventoux next year. I, I know they, but this way you have most of the best riders in the world going up against each other, and the French team will start there. Uh, they've probably got like ten riders riding because. Um, they get the an extra spot because Alaphilippe's the incumbent world champion. He's obviously here. His condition 
bit unsure. He looked good in the Vuelta, but then he crashed out. Uh, Christophe Laporte here. Seneschal Pache looked very good in the Vuelta. I picked him for half the stages. Cavagna. Uh, Bade, Sivakov, Armirel, Kozniefwa, Madouaz. I think that's all of them. That might be one too many. Uh, yeah. And, yes, yeah, Sivakov's first appearance for the French team. So, obviously, I'll pair them with another team not wanting a sprint. Uh, Italy, Rota, Bagioli, Betiol, Trentin, uh, Sobrero, as well as who's another punchy team? Uh, Slovenia, Tratnik, Polonc, Novak, and Pogaccia. So it's not too many teams wanting it to be kept together, Benji. Uh, and there's teams like that wanting to be be aggressive. What do you make? What do you think the French team strategy should be when Cosner Front just won Quebec and Christophe <laughs> Laporte's been one of the best riders of the world this year. I think Verclair, the, uh, the coach of the French team, has a pretty difficult task to make. I think he's good at tactics, though, because if you look at last year, wasn't he the coach that had the French team at the initial parts of the section use Cosner to lure Evenepoel out of his out of his den and try to make him make early moves to make sure that he wasn't playing a role in the final because I swear the French team played on that and played perfectly into that to the point where Philippe could benefit of having weaker Belgians, well, weaker, you know what I mean, like less Belgians in the final as a consequence because if he thinks that far forward in that race last year, he must have a proper plan for this year. But I got to be honest, when I see that team, it's... It's difficult, you know, like Maduas has been on form as well lately. Like if Maduas is on 50% of the other teams, he might have a co-leader role in this race. But because if he's in the French race, in the French team, I'm looking at him as a, a domestique more likely. The same for a Pacher, for example. I think that when it comes to the French team, the all-out leaders for me are still Cosnefra, Alaphilippe. And when it comes to Laporte... I'm low-key disappointed in Montreal for him. I feel like he was out early, but he was spent early as a domestique. Do you think that Laporte being out early in Montreal indicated something towards his World Championships where he does not necessarily deserve a full leadership? Nah, I think it was much hillier. Um, mm -hmm. I think Quebec, he was very, very good. Uh, also, he was used in Montreal to pull back Lechnesson really fast, too fast, in fact. Um, I think he's a real threat and you can play him as the sprint card behind and be happy with your groups ahead. Or if he gets in a group ahead, no one wants to mm -hmm. work with him. He's going to be the favorite from most reduced groups unless they're Binium Germain in them, like in Hen Favelhem. That can <laughs> always happen. Um, but before we get into maybe the Belgian team, which is the big tactics question mark, mention our show partners Zwift. Z Racing, maybe Z Racing is, if you're in America, is from uh, September 5th to October 2nd. It's a monthly series to get rolling in racing on Zwift. It's not just about rolling around Watopia or training. The best part about Zwift for a lot of people, the most enjoyable part, is the competitive aspect. And Z Racing is a great way to get into the swing of competing on Zwift. So, there's, I think, at the moment, the second stage of the Z Racing September calendar has just finished, but the 
Deuce France stage has started. It's funny, even in the Zwift, the Zwift read, I'm having French <laughs> place pronunciation <laughs> issues can't escape it anywhere. So the, the Deuce France stage, 24 Ks, 133 meters elevation, so not t- too much climbing. It's a great way to get into it. There's also a women's only event. Thanks to Zwift, as always, for supporting the show. But yeah, the big question mark is what will the Belgian team do? I think the tactics of France and Italy and Pogaccia, uh, not Pogaccia, Slovenia, but Pogaccia is pretty <laughs> straightforward. Go on the last climb and try and get separation or if you're Pogaccia, follow and sprint. Belgium, though, very curious team to me. Van Hooydonk deserves to be there 100%. Uh, Sturven, Lampart, Hermans deserve to be there. But then there's... Obviously, Evan Paul and Van Aert, but Seri and Stan de Wolf and no Dylan Turns. It's just bizarre. Like Dylan Turns said he was happy to go. He was under no illusions. The flesh Wallonne winner and the best puncher, because if you remember on the last climb of Liège, he was gapping everybody. He's been left at home, despite being happy to be yeah. a domestique. Bizarre. Um, and de Wolf is in, who f- frankly is underperformed. Uh, this year on AG2R. Like in anything in World Tour competition, he's been absolutely nowhere, especially in uh, Healy races, which he barely does. Um, like he didn't even get around Quebec properly, so or Britannia Classic. Um, but I guess I think he's doing a sports uh, column every day, so maybe, I don't know. Uh, so he's there because there needs to be two quick-step teammates for Avonapol, there was the tactics disaster last year. Surely this year, because it, it's just it suits both parties. Even yep. if Paul goes long, like in Liège, because that's what he's good at. Wout van Aert sits in and has his threat of a sprint and doesn't have to do too much. And you look at Liège, Bastion, Liège, it can work out that you go one and three. Or it comes back and Wout has to win the sprint and he's been able to sit in. That's just... it's. It's not rocket science, right? Yeah, it's not rocket science. And if you look at last year, that's exactly the situation that was created. Remember, like, we had Evenepoel going really early then. So that was, like, the extreme of going early, perhaps, last year's edition. But if he is in that position, he was in that group with Van Baal and so forth. And um, I'm not sure who was all in that group. I think Asgreen was in that group as well. Those riders, a few riders like that in a group together. Evenepoel was up the road. And Belgium started chasing it because they wanted to set something up so that Fanart could actually win the race. So there was a clear, like, not usage of a plan like that in last year's edition. There was no plan to have Evan pull up the road and be a co-leader in that sense. It was all from out Fanart last year. As the race, so, like, strategy-wise, it, it continued. But I hope this year they learned from their lessons. And in the news, it, it seems like they're co-leaders. So let's hope that's the case behind the scenes as well. And it's all about Evan and and Wout van Aarde when it comes to leadership, and I haven't heard much about like Steven and so forth and Hedemons when it comes to co-leadership. I'd argue that if you have to choose a rider for co-leadership between Hedemons and Steven, you'd say Hedemons deserves it more than Steven on a parkour like this, because Hedemons got a podium at LBL on a parkour that could resemble somewhat to this parkour. But in all honesty, having three leaders might be a bit too much. I agree with your strategy plans. Why would Jasper Steven be, in what world would he be leader? Like, it's crazy. And 
in what world? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if Nepal won the age and Wal yep. rode away from the peloton in Pyrenees stage one on a nothing two-minute climb, and in Calais he dropped the entire Tour de France, and I know yep. they're different races, but like, <laughs> and it has a good sprint. So to me it's very, very obvious. Second yep. last Mount Pleasant, Nathan Van Hoydonk does full lead out, and Avonapol goes, or Avonapol, if it's already split up before then, goes before then, and mm-hmm. in a flatter section on one of those other climbs you mentioned, Benji catches people by surprise, and Avonapol goes with 15, 20Ks to go, maybe even earlier because he's got Van Aert yep. behind. In in Liège, he had to he had to go, I think, 15Ks from the finish, maybe 18Ks from the finish, but they had no backup. Alphalete was done. So... Pretty obvious to me. Sturven or Van Hoydonk set him up. Um, the the one that doesn't set him up, or Quinton Hermans, will mark moves with Wout in the wheel behind, and Wout can even counterattack on the last hill if he's feeling good. I think so as well, and that plays into the uh, role of other teams as well in this race. Like we spoke about France earlier. I think France in the European Championships last year on that Italian circuit is an example of what I think they could be doing again on a parkour like this, where they just set up a a huge explosive lead-out train for one of the hills and try to launch their their punchers. And perhaps that's their plan for the last Mount Pleasant on this parkour, for example. And they've got the other riders to try and keep control of things or even one of the Cosnefrat to try and go into groups with an Avenipool going up the road. Although I feel like I hope that they make a wise decision between Cosnefrat and Alaphilippe. And I hope they have a good view on what Alaphilippe's form is like before this race so that I can make that wise decision because let's say that an Avenipool goes up the road what do other teams do that's my intriguing aspect here what does a France do I think they can send the rider with them because they've got enough riders that can do that stuff but if you look at Slovenia for example that is not necessarily a team where they've got so many multiple options like Pogacar is the man for that team he's got Trotnik Jaka Primozic that's like BTEC AliExpress Primoz Roglic, I guess. David Per, Polans, Novak, Arda Domestiques for Pogacar. Is Trotnik your man to send with Avenable? He's like the only rider that I would say would be in that role because Novak on one-day races? Not the case, eh? And it's not long climbs either. I, I think sending riders with Avenable is actually uh, a terrible idea. And mm-hmm. people will do it, but if you do that... And then you let the gap go and you hope the team that missed it. Let's say Italy go with him. Uh, who else? Netherlands, Netherlands get Taco with him or Walpoles or Mol- Molima. Netherlands get Molima with him. Tratnik goes with him. Um, Denmark, Court, whatever. Yeah. And then Britain's left holding the bag and they have to chase. And then all of a sudden the gap's four minutes. And then all of a sudden, Avonapol is still going to be much stronger, usually, than your riders. And he drops them on second last Ple- Mount Pleasant or last Mount Pleasant. You're now in a terrible situation. So yeah. that's me assuming Avonapol is in peak condition. Um, otherwise, I would just try and chase him, frankly. Uh, the Australian team probably look like they want a Michael Matthews sprint. He won the sprint uh, for <laughs> second in Quebec. They'd love the points. Bike exchange. Uh, they got Schultz, Plapp, O'Connor, Matthews, Hindley, Hausler. Hausler, I thought, was... Uh, well, this is the thing, Benji. He got <laughs> s- stiffed for the Leuven last year when he was like a yeah. top 10 classics rider in the world. 
and they didn't take him to Leuven, and now they bring him to this. And no offense to like we 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 like Henry Kausler on this podcast, but he's not had the same year this year as twenty twenty one. Punch and your parkour. On a bunch. Simon Clark obviously picks himself. Um, that's clear. Who who's missing from the Australian team? Uh, oh, Caleb Ewan, of course. Yep, would have won. Um, but. Yeah, they want a Matthew Sprint, I think, and he'll probably come fifth or fourth. I hope he can. If it all comes together, I think if it's possible, Matthew can win the sprint. Like, it is possible. Nah. Uh, Binny is here as well. Binny follows. He will just follow and hope for a sprint and a top five result. I think there's no shame in that. Uh, Britain have Hater, Swift, Stuart, Rose, Swift, the Connor. Uh, so he's also going to Ineos, Tullet, Wright, Turner. So it is everyone on Ineos now except Stewart and Wright. Wright is the best rider on the team. Uh, what do you think they will do? Like what's their strategy? I think it's get riders up the road because they got multiple like top 15 strong guys but no yeah. like top five favourites. Exactly. I think it's multiple riders trying to get up the road. And so, Thorv, I'm, I'm curious to see the level of Ben Tullard because, like, when he transferred this season, I was interested to see what he could do for the team that he's currently at. And I feel like it's come out in some occasions, but not necessarily in the races that we were hoping for. And that's, for example, due to the fact that he didn't ride the Hill Classic sense of Thorv. And I actually don't know why he didn't do them because I swear last year when he was at Alpacino were looking at those races and saying, oh, these are the races he can go for. 12th in Flesh, 17th in Amstel. But that means he can also do well on a, a world parkour like this. The question is, is he in form this year to do it? And his race results so far say no to me. And that's a bit unfortunate. I feel like his time trial has become one of his strengths, surprisingly, um, compared to his hilly stuff. When it comes to even Hater, it's, it's curious, you know, because in the, in the Cobble Classic sense of 12, it doesn't come out. When it comes to positioning, it's going to be intriguing. Will he be at the back of the peloton for most of the race? Perhaps. Will he be at the front by the time that he needs to be at the front? That's always a gamble when it comes to Ethan Hater. And for that reason, I'm also putting Wright on a higher pedestal. Uh, Wright has been great at the Vuelta. Will that Vuelta be a lot for him going into this race? Perhaps. But that's with most of the riders that did the Vuelta, for example. Like in Avonpool has the same issue. Avonpool had to go for every single day for his jersey, while Wright had some off days in that in that Vuelta España. Now, he did race very well there. He got, I think, second in the point classification or something. Loads of top five places, which means that can he get over this parkour is the last question then when it comes to ride. And I'd say, I'd say yes, but I also wouldn't bend my house on it. It's like, are you sure that Fred Wright can follow the punchers here? I don't think no, so. So going no, into no, the attacks, no. <laughs> like you said, well, is the plan, eh? Like, but which punch? Like, you mean like Dylan Van Baal and Tratnik going into a move? That, or Alaphilippe and Kolsnifra? Yeah, like, no. I don't think he can follow the top, top guys in the finale, and that's why he's got to get ahead early. Um, yeah. That's, we've probably glossed over my pick for the, for the race, who I think will win, Matthew van der Poel and his undercover, very, very strong Dutch team with Wout Poel's who actually at Andalusia, very punchy uh, this year. Balka Mollema, uh, Jan Maas, um, maybe the odd one out. Taco van der Horn, Dan Ule, 
Pascal Encorn, who I think was not bad in Quebec for Yumbo, and Dylan Van Baal, who is like we just he's so underrated. If the race is over 240 yeah. kilometers, he is a different rider. Roubaix, Tour of Flanders, World Championships last year. I just refuse to count him out. And <laughs> Van der Poel is I mean, he's winning these pro these commesses. He's won three plus, uh, two of them plus Grand Prix de Wallonie uh, six days ago ahead of Binium in an uphill kick. Uh, so I think Van der Poel will win because Alaphilippe is a little bit less because of his crash and MVP. I think will be in pretty. It'll be his sprint will be will be good. Uh, my big big roughy is Andreas Lechnersund. Because mm. oh sorry, I'll let you respond to my MVP and then I'll explain the Lechnison logic. Actually, Loki, see the Lechnison logic already after what we saw in uh, Montreal, staying up the road and so forth early, and then miscalculation from other people and so I see that, but I'll let you talk about that in a second. Van der Poel, I um I agree when it comes to his favoritism. As in, I, he was also my pick, but now I'm going to switch by the time I select my pick because I can't select the same pick as you because that would be illegal in the name of the LRCP podcast. I just said podcast twice in that, but doesn't matter. Nonetheless, Vanderpool does like 1K climbs of small ramps and so forth. That helps him. A circuit that reminds me of a bit of a, a crit circuit. I don't know. Loki feels like that sometimes when I look at the loop of this Mount Pleasant uh, circuit, this loop. And... The amount of corners in the first seven kilometers of each loop kind of reminds me of Vanderpool as well, going out of each corner with lots of momentum, acceleration from those corners, acceleration on the climb itself. I see that happening. Sure, the wider roads might have an effect on that acceleration not being as necessary because teams and riders can go through those corners at higher speeds anyway. But I really believe that when I see the ramps in the last like seven kilometers of this loop, that there are spots where Vanderpool can really hurt other people. Alaphilippe rode away on what was like a full side uphill section in Leuven last year, but Vanderpool, prime Vanderpool, can drop everybody on the ramps I see in this last like seven kilometers, especially if Alaphilippe is not at top level, for example. This reminds me at, oh, I'd love to see another like thermonuclear, no, sorry, sorry, thermobiblical attack, like in that Strada Bianca in 2021. One? Yeah. Yes. So. And first of all, let's talk about Lechnesund. I've got some other names out there afterwards. All right. He's like 500s, I think. Arctic Race in Norway, you obviously all watched it. He won GC on the last stage on a hilly circuit with a steep hill. And this kid just kept trucking. And then Montreal, as Benji said, the reason Yumbo chased him so hard, I think, was because you got to respect him. And yeah, he's just. I probably put them. <laughs> if someone's listened, they'll chase him now. But if he's ahead on a circuit and teams looking at each other, just a not a rider to let up the road, and he will try and do that. And they got Christoph sitting in behind, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a real chance for a good result. Alexander Camp, I think, can top five for Denmark in the reduced sprint behind. He can't go with the top guys. He came fifth in Amstel this year, I think. America's the team I'm disappointed yes. in. Yes. I'm oh. really disappointed. They, I tweeted at the start of the year, they could have almost been like top three favorites to world champs with McNulty, Simmons, Paulus, all these big engines, but there's no Simmons, yeah. there's no McNulty. It's it's mainly just Paulus. So 
they're a little bit disappointing to me, but I hope Palace can score some points for EF's uh, sake. But any big dark horses from you, Benji? I actually agree when it comes to the United States. I hope we see an active Sheffield in early moves, perhaps, and Paulus can be that True. guy for Chef the final uh, for the final loop because we saw in San Sebastian, even though Honoré had hit a wall beforehand, that Paulus does have a small sprint after that race. But then again, in Maryland Classic, then he bottled that sprint completely by not sprinting, really. So I don't know. We'll see what happens when it comes to the USA in this World Championships. I just hope that we see the youngsters of any team do well. There's some other teams that I want to talk about. First of all, when it comes to Spain, it's intriguing. You know, Ayuso was selected. Then he was unselected because of fatigue <laughs> when it comes to the Vuelta. What a mess. <laughs> the entire team, I think Montparlay is uh, the guy that does it, the coach for... For Spain, he had trouble selecting riders because Movistar needs their riders for the relegation system. Cofferis needs is a gear race for the relegation system. So he had to go to pro teams, for example, to go there. So let me talk about these riders like Berade, Gotson Martinez, Quera, Prades, Lascano, Garcia Cortina, Soler, Adria. There's maybe three, four names where you might have heard of, like Garcia Cortina, Soler, Lascano, and Walter. We mentioned him in our preview, for example, for Movistar this year as the guy that we didn't know was what he was going to do or what he was good at in the first place. And Roger Adria, Soler and Garcia Cortina are two options. And Cortina is kind of the rider of like, he was good at Quebec, DNF Montreal. Is this parkour too hard for him? Perhaps. I guess we'll figure out in the race itself. Garcia Cortina has kind of... He I won't so follow well. anything. It's for points. So there's the, the follower, I think. Uh, the, uh, the attacker, I think, in this... Uh, in this parkour, while I agree that Garcia Cortina is the leftover man, I want to point uh, ourselves at Switzerland here because you've got the likes of Stefan Kung, Bissiger, Dillier, Linhardt, Pelo, but also Mauro Schmidt. And that's he's my really dark good. horse. Oh, Sixth that's in Montreal. A good he's uh, actually, fuck it. I was going to select Vanderpool as favorite. <laughs> I still believe Vanderpool is the big favorite for this race, but I'm going to go all out on Schmidt. Why not? <laughs> Schmidt's really, really pick. good. He's really good. And he got he lost that Giro uphill finish, was it him yeah. against Bowman? Um, yeah, he's he's at ridiculous odds. So he's and also you you gotta you gotta factor in, okay, this is what I was looking at, and you do it a lot. You look at a young, really young rider and you like factor in a margin of improvement that we haven't seen yet because you believe mm -hmm. he's a special talent. Um, yep. like Pog at the Tool in 2020. And I think Schmidt is that. Well, I think he is that level too. So that's a good pick. Uh, but I guess I'll... The reason I was going to go with Pogaccia, but if you look at the weather forecast for Wollongong, it is rain from here on to Sunday. And then Monday next week onwards is rain. Sunday is the only day without rain. It's 18 degrees, cool conditions. But just if it had been raining... I would have gone with Pog, but I just think Avonapol is going to be missing 2%. I think the Dutch team is strong. I think MVDP's yeah. prep is good. And I think he he's played every finale as perfectly tactically this year. So I have to I have to give it to him. I think um I just think he gets the job done. Um but you're going with Schmidt. Any last thoughts on the men's race before we do the women's? Just in general, outside of my lunatic Schmidt pick, that might not happen, but I still fully stand behind. I agree when it comes to the, the favorites here, like Evanderpool I see doing well here. I think the Kermesse preparation might be hiding the true strength of Vanderpool right now on the big levels. Like if he would have ridden Montreal and so forth, I believe he is in the final 
group of that and competing for the victory. Pogacar, he's a rider that I'd argue is one of the favorites as well for me. Like I'd put Van, I'd put Vanderpool and Pogacar on the same level when it comes to favoritism. The sprint that the kick sprint that Pogacar showed this year is impeccable, and I'd argue those two are the names that I push forward. And even as a Belgian, Belgians might be uh, a bit disappointed that I don't name out Fanada as an all-out favorite here. He chokes final sometimes, and he did that at Montreal, for example. And when it comes to reduced group sprints, he's not as effective as other riders. Vanderpool's better in that stuff and so forth. So I feel like in some shape or form, he'll do something that will make him and second in the final sprint, and he will get silver just to add on to the silver medals he's had so far. And um, I really fear that's going to be the case. Like, I, don't think I hope he, for him. I don't so. think he choked the Montreal sprint. He yeah. got the last K right, but he what, he trusts his sprint so much. And I think what you're sort of referring to is you've got the option of Pagatches off the wheel, you're closing Gadu to mm-hmm. then sit on Gadu. Yeah. And it just it doesn't make sense when you're like Wout's TT. We said it a thousand times. Wout's TT is his biggest advantage over other riders. Um, because when he's doing a one-on-one TT with no one in the draft and the other riders aren't in the draft and have no teammates, it's a better advantage than leading them out to do a sprint when they're in his draft. After particularly his sprint, like if this World Championships was, like look at the Calais stage. You don't think Pogaccio yeah. was in good shape in Calais? If this World Championships was run up to Mount Pleasant once, I'd pick MVDP or WoW. Or Alaphilippe, maybe. But the attrition, it dulls the legs. It must make a difference. Some riders cope with it better than others. Calais is different, though, in my opinion, because the top punchers are not there trying to win the stage as well. Yeah, but Pog is trying. Yeah, Yeah, but I feel like UE was not expecting that to be a stage where something might explode on that final hill is what I would see when I look at that Calais stage. And I think a lot of teams miscalculated what that stage would become. And Yumbo benefited from that factor that other teams did not expect that to happen. And I think some teams were even expecting their sprinter to get over it. So really? I think there's a there's that factor too. Yeah, maybe. If so, they're clueless. Um this <laughs> Barony stage one was the rehearsal. So anyway. Um it should be a good world championships, hopefully. Um Montreal, it could be a bit like that where it kicks off really on the last two laps. Uh, I would have liked to see Mount Kira three times, four times uh, mixed in at the end. Twelve times. Maybe. Let Jai Hindley be free. Uh, anyway, the women's race is the same uh, format. 164Ks, though, so less laps, obviously. Mount Kira early uh, with 40Ks in, and then there is three, six repetitions of Mount Pleasant, uh, last one, 8Ks from the finish. Of course, every discussion for the Women's World Championships or Olympics must start with the Dutch team with Vollering, Van Vleuten, Schoen van Anroy in addition, uh, Van Dijk, Mackay, Voss, and Rihanna Marcus on the provisional list here. Who's their leader, Benji, with Van Vleuten saying the legs are not, she doesn't know what went wrong in the ITT, with Vollering not looking as good this year in, say, I'm just going to check. Um, Shuan Bramals, 
maybe I'm making that up. Uh, in the tour stages, she disappointed me in the punchy sta- punchy finish um, stages, and with Voss looking even better than ever, except. There's three factions in the team, from my mind. There's the Van Vlerten on her own. There's SD yeah. Works. And then there's Voss. But Voss now, she brought a teammate, Rihanna Marcus, and SD Works only have Vollering, and it's actually Trek and DSM filling it out. So it's a very different team to last year, which had like four SD Works. It's intriguing what we could expect from this team as well, because when it comes to, first of all, Van Vleuten is a rider that needs an aggressive, offensive race to get rid of riders on a, on a parkour with a 1k climb, for example, recurringly in that 17-kilometer loop. Now, does she need to go early to make the race hard enough for her to win? Maybe. And that's the factor that also plays into this race, because is that also something that a Vos would like? Because Vos would like the race to be a bit more smooth so that she can ramp up that final hill, still be there with a smaller group and then destroy everybody in the final sprint with that group. So you've got riders in that team that kind of oppose each other in the same way that, let's say if you've got a climber that needs a steady tempo and one that needs accelerations to get away, those are those are not compatible. And when it comes to Voss, Voss, not Voss, Voss and Van Vleuten, that kind of feel like feels like it clashes for me. But... There are opportunities to make that work for itself in the sense of trying to go early with a Van Vleuten and so forth, but I fear that they're likely going to use Van Dijk in a similar fashion as European Championships last year, where Van Dijk is the rider that goes up the road with certain groups and is in the earlier attacks. That's at least how I see this this team in front of me as we speak. I think Marcus is domestique. I think Makai is domestique. I think Van Andro is an intriguing factor because... What will they do? Will she have the freedom to go for the U23 World Championships? Because if you don't know, for some reason, someone made the, in my opinion, very stupid decision to have the U23 World Championships jersey given to the first U23 rider in the Elite World Championships race. Meaning you've got a race within a race, an unfair race within a race, because the U23 race in this Elite race there's going to be some teams that put U23 riders in their team. Some will have to domestique. Some will be able to go for that U23 title. I don't know which one Shirin Van Andro is. Will she be able to go for that U23 title or not? I would hope not, because I really don't care who becomes U23 world champion in this kind of setting or format. I really don't care about it. So I hope that she's a domestique so that we can see the best cooperation within this Dutch team as possible, because... Yeah, that's a, a big thing, cooperation in this Dutch team. When it comes to Volering, though, you've got Van Vleuten, who needs the aggressive racing. You've got Voss, who needs the relaxed racing and perhaps I a sprint th- I think towards Voss the needs end an after surviving. Race too. Really? Okay. Yeah, because Balsamo is too good. Yeah. And you can't go to the finish with a coin flip at <clears> best sprint between Balsamo and Voss. And if you have a relaxed race... I think Balsamo can get around this. Um, so I think you need to to play the Dutch cards up the road. I think that's the only way to use Van Dijk and uh, Van Vleuten in that fashion. And I would have, if it comes down to it, obviously Vollering has to lead out Voss. They have good, the difference here though, Benji, to the Olympics, remember Olympics was four riders, right? 
um, and they're all yeah. champions. Here we have career domestiques, Florchi Mackay, Rihanna Marcus, Van Anroy uh, Trek is usually a domestique. And I think that makes a big difference. Usually it was Amy Peters maybe or Chantal van den Broek Black. They would keep the glue together in the Dutch team in World Championships and in Olympics. Without them, it fell apart. Um, so I think they need to play Aratus up the road. I think the Eleanor Baxter's doing it for Britain. It's just one to... I'm just looking at the British team now. Anna Henderson, five for Georgie. <laughs> it's interesting when the, t- the riders get freed from their uh, from their trade team. You think, oh, actually, what can this young rider do? Like a Van Anroy, you know, a Baxter, a Georgie. Um, obviously, well, Kopecky, Benji, speak to me about the Belgian team because I remember Lefebvre decrying that the Belgian team is not as strong as the Dutch team. Does she, Kopecky, have enough support there? Or when it comes down to the final Mount Pleasant, she will be chasing herself? I don't think she has enough support there. I think Valerie de May is not a terrible rider. I think she's one of the better ones in that team. Julie de Wilde has been arguably the the biggest talent in Belgian women's cycling right now. 19 years old, won Grand Prix de Wallonie, if my memory serves me right. I think she won multiple races this year, actually, and got really close in, was it Hent Wevelgem or Dwarz? It was Dwarz of Vlaanderen. Second in Dwarz of Vlaanderen, uh, a sprint towards the end there, uh, in front of the likes of Shabby, Georgie, Bastianelli, Barbieri, and just being beaten by Consoni. She's one of those riders, and I think she was in the white jersey of the Twitter France Femme for the first three days or something, which means she got over the likes of that Apernest stage, that hilly stage quite well. I think she got a top 15 in that stage, 14th, on two minutes away of the winner, but that's still a decent result. So I think it's better than in the past. In the past, it wasn't on point R. Belgian surroundings, but I think the Wilde and the May are going to be the last two riders available for a Kopecky in this race. I think the other riders, Hekiera, for example, could also be there, but I don't think in the in the final she will be overly relevant anymore. I think that's what I'm looking at. Um I do want to mention Julie van der Velde a bit because I feel like she's been growing quite a bit in this year as well. I think she got a podium on that. Norwegian finish, uh, Norafiel, that uphill finish in the ladies' tour of Norway, which is an incredible result for a rider like that. Uh, was it a podium? Let me check for a second. Yes, she got third there behind Dietrich Ludwig and Lippert in front of Manley, Nelson, and so forth. So not in front of the biggest climbers, but only on 30 seconds of the likes of a, a Lippert and Ludwig on a finish like that. So she can climb. I think the support for Kopecky is better. I don't know how far it's going to get us. I really don't know. And that factors and me into... not been that good. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Anne Kopecky's yeah. not been like lights out this year either. She's been behind Voss and... No, sorry. That's not true. In spring, she was lights out. Tour yes. de France onwards, Voss and Balsamo had her in sprints. Um, spring, obviously, in the classic, she was elite. But yeah, I... I don't know. I think, uh, I think it's going to be tough for them. I think one of the aspects that we haven't gone into enough is, for me, we've spoken about the Dutch team, the mechanics of the Dutch team, the fact that they've got multiple leaders, the fact that they've got to mingle those balances between those riders and make sure that they play it out nicely tactics-wise. I think the same counts for Italy this year because the Italian team is getting stronger and stronger as a block. And every single time so far in the past, they had a proper plan. But when I see this 
their team this year, I see a team that has so many options. Like Balsam was the option that is the rider that can have the sprint at the end. Longo Borghini is a rider that follows, but doesn't really have it in a reduced group as well. So she's kind of... I don't think she's the winner type for this World Championships in my eyes, but I see lots of stuff in the likes of... What do you think about Sylvia Persico for this? And we mentioned it, I think, in that Segovia finish in Serotisi Challenge, where she ended up winning in that narrow technical last kilometer in front of uh, Volring, I think. Do you think that mentions something for her to be valid in a reduced group sprint at the end of this race and actually have a chance of becoming world champion? Yes, but my strategy, if I was them, would be Jose Mourinho into Milan Park to bus. Extremely <laughs> negative. My whole pl- plan would be, do you believe Balsamo is in top shape? If she is, then you're going to make her world champion again. She finished eight seconds behind the group in Amstel Gold Race. Uh, that had the climb. When was the last Cowberg? That was 2Ks from the finish. Yeah. So, and that was with ELB up the road. can't remember. She has, this. I would have Persico mark moves, sit on those moves, and then no one wants to take Persico to the line because she's fast, as Benji just said. Paladin can do that as well. And then have Elisa Longoborghini, Cicchini, um, whoever, Guassini, pull it back like they did in Trofeo Binder for Elisa Balsamo. Yeah. That being said, it's a bit of a leap of faith because – Trofeo Binder's not as steep as these climbs. It's not quite as steep. So I, I'm i basically going over her off this from her Amstel Gold Race result because, like, Hen Vavelhem, the punchy climbs, are they finish much, much further from the finish, and she, um, she obviously won the sprint there. So I'd be negative and... Hopefully, you could have Persico yeah. brought to the line and she wins. Um, she beats Van Vleuten or Vollering in a sprint head-to-head by sitting in. So that's what I'll do if I was them. Do you see a, a possibility for a rider that we haven't mentioned properly yet, but is the puncher in the women's peloton that we spoke about in previous years, but didn't really show it this year, like Enivia Doma? Because if we nah. see a parkour like this... Okay. Continue. Not, because it, it doesn't finish up. He'll, her yeah. flat sprint... She doesn't trust it, and it's not that good. It's it's fine, but the flat finish is tough. Because for her to win, she has to drop everyone on last Mount Pleasant, and then she has to hold off Van Vleuten and co. for 8Ks. It seems implausible to me, based on her form this year. Australia. That's a team that is really strong, in my opinion, in in block. Very strong. your, your, Your ears will be happy about that, that I'm that I'm glorifying the Australian team right now, I believe that they've got a really solid chance of becoming world champion in multiple options as well. Yes, really solid in the sense that the Dutch and Italian team will probably be favorites, but if there's a third country I'd put next to that, this is the the country I'd do so. We can talk about Denmark a bit afterwards as well, but first Australia, Brody Chapman is in there, Sarah Roy, Manley, Baker, Georgia Baker, Brown, Spratt, and Talbot. I don't know if all these riders are actually there because it's not a confirmed selection on my screen. But Alexander Manley is one of the riders that, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated riders in the peloton because look at her bloody season. Like, it doesn't matter what parkour she's on. Put her on a climb, put her on a flat section, put her on a descent, put her on a time trial. She can compete for the victory. Like, if you can literally 
Look at the Tour of Scandinavia. She got fifth in stage two, fourth in stage three, first in stage four, fifth in stage five, eighth in stage six. That's all different parkour types. She's so incredibly versatile. It's actually insane. I think she's one of those options that tries to follow the group and the attacks to make sure she's in that reduced group or she tries to go in the group with like a Persico like you mentioned and perhaps play in that group. But I feel like Grace Brown's the attacker in this group, in this team in Australia. Grace Brown's the attacker. And when I look at the rest of the team, I think Manley's the defensive option that has yeah. a sprint at the end, right? I agree. I'm surprised Roseman Gannon didn't make the team. Um, she's quite good in some Spanish hilly races. She could lead out Manly. I don't think Roy gets around this. Chapman's very, very good on this sort of parkour. I presume she'll be... To be honest, I don't think she should be in a domestique role. They're underdogs, so they can't afford to play that sort of strategy if they actually want to win against the Dutch team. I think they should prey on the weakness of the Dutch team, which is cohesiveness, by letting Chapman go up the road early, yeah. even as early as the first Kira. When Kiesenhofer, she will go early on Mount Kira, or before then, send Chapman with her, and those two engines is a serious problem because then it's... It's those two against Florchi Mackay and Rihanna Marcus <laughs> and Van Anroy. And then when those are done, and they, if they don't bring them back, who in the Dutch team will chase? You've got to create that situation. Um, and so Chapman, I think, needs a free reign. I think Brown wins the race. Uh, she's my pick to win. She did the TT of her life. She'll be extremely motivated. Van Vlerten doesn't seem the TT. Maybe she's just bluffing. Maybe she's not. I don't think she's bluffing. Like, you know, just you don't just do a world champs TT yeah. for fun. Uh, and so I think the Australian team is actually quite strong. Home advantage as well for once. Uh, so they're looking. I think Brown gets away on maybe second last pleasant or between the climbs. There's domestiques that are already gone and she's in, she's difficult to bring back. And I think her sprint, like she's not the best sprinter in the world, but she beat, um, who'd she be in a sprint? Was it shabby? Cause she could, this, it could play out just like that. Benji, uh, that stage yep. of the uh, love welter. She gets away with a team, like a medium strength team, like Switzerland who have Royster and shabby. Yeah. She gets away with shabby. Two up sprint beats her. Thanks for coming. Yeah, exactly like that. And you spoke about Switzerland. You're right. Those are the riders that we do see going into early moves. And there's plenty of other teams that will try and do so. I think Uthrup Ludwig will try and wait for the final punch and hope that she's in there and can try and kick from that sprint. Uh, that remains. That's at least how I see the strategy in that team. France has multiple options, as in, I think Labuse is the climber option, Muzic as well a bit. Gladys for Hulst, I don't know. I think world championship races are still a, uh, a tad too hard for her, her in that sense. And I don't think the French team is going to be the the winner after this race. I, I just don't see it when I look at the team. And you mentioned Great Britain, for example. Also, the riders that you mentioned, like a Georgie and a Henderson, those are indeed the riders that you'd expect to go in early moves as well. So I think we're we're going to see a lot of attacks on these earlier circuits to try and disturb the bigger teams and make sure there's pressure on those bigger teams. And that brings me to a team where they've also got multiple options in that sense. Germany with Leona Lippert. Lippert is the punchy option for the final hill. Or you see her going early. 
No, Lippert never goes early. She'll wait yep. for the final punch. She'll go early on the final punch, too early, with people in her wheel. Uh, remember, she won her first pro race, I think, Cadell Evans Road Race, so maybe she likes driving on the left side of the road. Maybe <laughs> the conditions suited her. And that was a Cadell's is quite similar to this. Like, it's got a punchy, irregular climbs around Australian suburbia. Like, it has to be considered, and especially if it's raining on Saturday. I said the men's race is sunny. If it's raining on Saturday, that could change things too. And she won. That was so rainy that the signal got blocked and McEwen was on the motorbike filming on his phone or something. So, (laughs) Lippert, definitely a chance. And, yeah, I think... Her and America too are not too bad. With you as Faulkner did a better TT than I expected. Leah Thomas came fifth in the TT. So America's not a bad team either. They just need to get an early moves uh, like the Australian team. I think when it comes to uh, dark horses as well, there's an argument to be made for some riders. I think like Blanca Vaj is not at this race. She got top five last year. She didn't do this race. I think Anna von der Bregen spoke her out of it or something i read something like that on the internet but hey don't believe everything on the internet that being said she's not riding this race which is a a real bummer i think even though she hasn't really shown it this year i feel like this parkour really fits her on paper and the same counts for a lot of other youngsters and also some not so youngsters in the peloton first of all my personal very dark horse in this peloton is ricarda ricarda bauernfeind on the uh, German team, 22 years old. She's had an incredible season, rides for Canyon's uh, generation team, U23 team. I think if she has no leash on her, she can win the U23 World Championships. I'm not not 100% sure if she's eligible, but regardless, she's like very on point. And I'm extremely curious now. She got 10th in the world, no, 18th in the World Championships ITT. I don't, see itt as her biggest strength so that's already something i i low-key see her as like a, a very dark outsider on on parkours now i'm not 100 cer- certain that the parkour 100 fits her but keep that name in your mind but i want to throw this one at you alene sierra is the climb too hard for sierra to get over it and be part of a reduced group sprint and do something that way it's tough because Liège, she came uh, seventh, which is fine, but she was two minutes back. But then you're thinking, yeah. that was with Lippert and Nivea Doma, by the way. Then you're thinking, well, how much of that was her being a domestic early for Van Flirten, who won the race? So can you really count being two minutes back against her? Is this as hard as Liège? Are the climbs as long? No, they are not, but there's a lot of them. She's definitely a contender. I think, unfortunately for her, she was perhaps underrated in coming into the 2022 season when she was on AR Monex last year, cleaning up Trevi Alavadocina at the end of that year and a lot of other Italian races. Uh, But this year, surely they're aware that she is pretty good. Also, unfortunately for her, she's solo. So she's going to have to do it all herself. Um, even Sagan, when he won World Champs, he still had teammates and it still it does make a difference. But she's a good pick. She has the right profile, I think, for this. Norsgaard, I would have hoped yeah, last year I would have said she would have been fine, but she just hasn't looked as good this year. Um, and it's a shame Marta Cavalli's not here either. She would have been 
it would have been great to see her here and that would have made the Italian tactics even more difficult to <laughs> to flesh out. But yeah, they're my picks. Brown to win. Um, I think there's a bit of chaos and looking at each other with Italy and the Netherlands and uh, Veronica Ewers is my very, very dark horse. Okay, I like it. When it comes to um, my winning pick, ah... Uh... I low-key want to go for Von Vleuten. Uh, but the time trial is kind of making me struggle about that. For some reason, the women's time trial we had where she wasn't on point is keeping me from picking her for the uh, the actual road race. So I will go back on that. I won't pick her for this race. I'm going to go with... Evos world champion yeah i think Voss should be favorite i think it's more likely she gets over the climb than balsamo and yumbo should pace if the group if balsamo is still there and they have domestiques just pace the last climb drop balsamo and happy days sprint with Voss. game over like that's what yep. they should do whether they do is a whole other story but let us know your picks for the race i think it could be very different weather conditions between the two races um, which might affect things as well. I'm hoping for an Australian victory, particularly in the women's race, I think is <laughs> is very possible, although Bling looked good in Quebec and the Tour de France, frankly. So I'm secretly hopeful, but I'm not getting – actually, that's not true. I am getting my hopes up. I picked Brown to win <laughs> in, this, in this race. But that's all from us. We'll be back with the recaps of uh, the World Championships this weekend as well as maybe a transfers announcement roundup later this week. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 